<sighs> Yikes. Well, it's time for the publicity agent. Hello, my beautiful Tropicanas. Welcome to the Ricardo Project, the podcast where we watch through I Love Lucy episode by episode and talk about its historical, emotional, and comedic impact. My name is Dana, and I'm so glad you've joined me today. If you hear some random background noise, I do apologize. There seems to be quite a bit of traffic on my street today, so getting out in front of that. Um, I will try to edit as much of it out as possible. Today, we are talking about Season 1, Episode 31, The Publicity Agent, which premiered 70 years ago today, May 12th, 1952. So here's what happens in The Publicity Agent. So we open, Lucy has done some dishes, um, she wants to do something with the Mertzes that night, but Ricky is like playing solitaire and just really being self-indulgent, he's super pouty, he's feeling really discouraged because He's not exciting anymore. No one's talking about him. His name isn't in the paper. He he feels like his publicity agent isn't even worth it. And he says that he pays him 50 bucks a week, which I typed into my handy-dandy inflation station, and that's almost $550 a week. And you know this isn't his only client. So uh, the publicity agent is making good money. So Lucy hears this number and is immediately like, I'll do the job. I'll, I'll take the 50 bucks a week. And... Ricky is absolutely aghast because he's met Lucy and he knows that any publicity she would drum up for him would be a disaster. Um, So he has this really funny line, actually, that no one laughed at, but I thought it was very funny where he he asked her to forget about it. And then he says, you know, don't even don't even tell people that you know me. And it's kind of a throwaway line, but I thought it was very funny. So the next day, Lucy has uh, not taken any of that advice. And she's valuing her jewelry because she wants to stage a robbery um, to get his name in the paper uh, until she finds out that her jewelry is is really not worth much. It's worth less than what uh, the publicity agent makes in a week. So she and Ethel try to come up with some sort of other scheme that will work to get Ricky's name back in the papers. They decide that it would be really great if, if somebody royal like loved Ricky and would, was coming to the States to see him. So Lucy just decides she's going to make up her own princess and she, it has to be an unknown country because otherwise they'd be able to check. So Lucy makes up a country called Franistan and she decides to go like full exoticism. And she says that it's going to be the daughter of the Maharaja of Franistan, which uh, she, they decide is called a Maharinsis. So they decide to plant this story, and Ethel says, oh, it's too bad, Chief. She can't actually come. And Lucy immediately decides that that means that she should impersonate Scheherazade, the Maharinsis of Franistan. So she she calls the paper. She does this crackerjack operator impression, and then she pretends to be uh, the Maharinsis's mother, the Maharani. And, um, she, you know, she does beautiful reverse psychology. She says, please don't print that my daughter is coming to see Ricky Ricardo. Don't call her at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel. Leave her alone. Um, there's a very cute moment where the newspaper has no idea who Ricky Ricardo is, and she has to drop her accent to say his name and spell it. Very, very funny. So then they book a room at the Waldorf Astoria. They check in. They do the whole gig. It's actually a very good, or at least well-executed plot. 
So then we go to the Tropicana and Ricky is still being a grump. But Fred, my beloved, he comes in, he's dressed in a cute hat. He looks very swaggery um, because there's a newspaper headline that says that the Maharensis is coming to see Ricky Ricardo and Ricky is not buying it. <laughs> he he thinks his publicity agent made it up. And what what do you know? The phone rings. It's his agent. Ricky yells at him about this stupid scheme. The Maharensis of Franistan. This is ridiculous. But the agent says he didn't do it and that he managed to verify the story because he called the word Waldorf Astoria. Ricky immediately smiles like a moron, hangs up, looks at Fred and says, you know, oh, she's all alone and far away Franistan and she hears my voice and she's taken away. What could possibly be crazy about that? And uh, I, you know, I just love any time when Ricky's ego is the propeller of the story. Um, and so the game is afoot. They have this big throne that they've built for her at the Tropicana. Ricky is so nervous to meet her. He's smoking two cigarettes at once. Ethel comes in <laughs> dressed like I dream of Jeannie and she has a gong and um, her face is covered with a scarf and she bangs the gong. This is like some very weird King and I nonsense. Um, Lucy comes in as the Maha Rincess and she's got like a black wig on and she's, she's doing this like very funny glamour walk. Um, she has this long cigarette holder and she's in like a, honestly, what looks like a sari. Um, whereas Ethel clearly borrowed her costume from a high school performance of a thousand and one tales of Arabian nights. Um, it's weird. <laughs> we'll get there. Ricky's super nervous. Lucy does a little interview with a newspaper man who's there to get the publicity. Lucy only answers questions and yes and no. There's a there's another funny throw. There's a lot of funny throwaway moments in this episode. It's, there's a great moment where the newspaper man <laughs> tries to ask her about the political situation in Afghanistan as though it's a real country. And I thought this was very funny because it seemed like he had a real question to ask, as though he just didn't want to seem stupid, so he made up a political situation <laughs> in Afghanistan. And I kind of would love an episode of I Love Lucy where they just make up a country and everybody has to pretend like they've heard of it. Like, that's that's comedy gold to me. Anyway, it's time for Ricky's command performance. He keeps doing all these, like, he just won't stop bowing. And Lucy keeps, you know, she'll kind of indulge it for a while and then be like, please stop. Um, and he sings a very romantic song um, incredibly close to her face. And every time he hits like a super sultry line, you know, where that's kind of suggestive, she screams and then fake faints. <laughs> and it gets more and more dramatic until she finally gets over it and kind of moves on. And um, and Ricky sings Babalu and he hits the conga drum so close to her face she has to hold her ears closed. Ricky is clearly loving this. Lucy is Honestly, it's very sweet that Lucy loves her husband this much, and she does kind of look at him with genuine love in her eyes when he's singing to her. It's it's pretty adorable, honestly, at times. So this has been a grand success. We fade to Lucy and Ethel relaxing in the hotel room after the scam. <laughs> we find out that Ricky sang 25 numbers and every other one was Babaloo. And then someone knocks on the door, and it's a person claiming to be from Franistan and says that she's in terrible danger. And Lucy immediately tries to be like, no, I'm, I'm just, my name's Lucy Ricardo. I have nothing. I don't know what you're talking about. You're ridiculous. And he says that she bears the mark of the royalty of Franistan because she has red and black hair because her wig is kind of askew. So you can see both. And right as she's trying to set everything straight, two other men come in and they 
seemingly kill the man who's come in and told her she's in danger. And they demand royal secrets from Lucy. And, and they say that the, that someone called the tiger is coming and that um, he's going to torture her if she doesn't answer. And, and it's really very threatening. And the tiger comes in and he's really, really tall. And right as he's about to stab her with like a curly knife, um, he reveals himself to be Ricky. And the two others um, are random men who they, they know. I think they work at the Tropicana ostensibly. And then the man who came in and said that Lucy was in terrible danger, it turns out, is Fred. Uh, it turns out Ricky figured out the scheme and decided to teach her a lesson. And Ethel, very rightfully, I think, says that that this is, like, really inappropriate and not funny. And Lucy tries to play it off as though she's not scared. Um, and then she panic faints. And we get the swell of the orchestra, and that's the end of the episode. So, uh, <sighs> um, so I want to react as honestly as possible, and I want to preface all of this by saying that uh, I want to hold space for the fact that last week's episode was a vitamin and vegemin episode. So. After that, maybe this one is just disappointing by comparison, Um, because I remember really enjoying it as a kid. It was on my tapes, and I remember thinking it was fun. Um, But, you know, the thing is, the the old, um, you know, I'm an adult and I know things now glasses, they they come on with a vengeance, and honestly, I just don't think this episode is very worthwhile. Um, Let's drop it into history. Shout out to any History Chicks fans out there. so I feel like we've discussed this before, but I cannot for the life of me remember me when. Oh my God, I just remembered. Okay, so we talked about this in the mustache episode. We're about four years away at this point from Charlton Heston being in the Ten Commandments. And ho- and and I bring that up because Hollywood was really building out epics. So technology was getting better and better. We weren't at the stage anymore where we were just able to record movement. We were at the stage now where we could actually fly cameras in and fly cameras out. And we didn't need small spaces. We could really do a lot because we had dollies and we had ways of making things really expansive feeling. So Hollywood was constantly going bigger and bigger and bigger with their movies. And this led to them investing in like, quote unquote, faraway lands and um, movies with larger casts, which which would allow for more complex environments and and ostensibly greater world building. How, uh, how accurate that world building is, is another, uh, another conversation. And so very unfortunately, part of the, of the genre of the, ep- of the Hollywood epic, especially at this point, became about leaning into exoticism. And um, this was often used, particularly in Arab cultures and the area formerly known as Persia. Um, I think of like the road to two movies, the road to Morocco, the road to Bali, the, the Bob Hope um, movies that are, I remember loving as a kid, but now I'm like, Oh, I don't want to watch that again. Um, and, and so from a white led Hollywood's ignorant perspective, we were seeing a lot of movies at the time that were engaging in white actors portraying cultures. They had nothing to do with, which is not even remotely over by the way, although it is definitely improving slowly, but surely. So it's not surprising to me that I Love Lucy is 
like engaging in this larger scale Hollywood trend. It would honestly be more surprising if a show starring industry veterans about people trying to break into said industry didn't follow Hollywood trends in some way. And so I'm not going to sit here and like hold the show to a higher standard than the industry at large and say that, 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 you know, this choice was unreasonable. It's just, it's just very unfortunate because it doesn't age well. And what we're seeing is culture as costume. I mean, quite literally, Lucy literally puts on a costume to portray an Arab woman. And it's for no other purpose than because it's exotic in their minds. And every time I say exotic, by the way, there's quotes around it. Um, I was thinking a lot in comparison about the episode of the Lucy Desi comedy hour where Lucy and Ethel dress as geishas. And I reserve any judgment of that until I watch it in like what, six years at this point. Um, But you know, at least there's a reason for that in the plot. Like they were in Japan. They had some reason for going there. They had to sneak in because women weren't around. There was at least a basic plot construction that necessitated a going undercover, so to speak. And again, I reserve the right to watch that episode in six years and be like, whoa, (laughs) this is not okay. But just as a comparative tool, this episode that we just watched frames the dressing as another culture as basically just to put a little flourish on a lie. And it, it gets worse and worse as the episode goes on because the men do that prank at the end and it's gross in a lot of ways. It's performing a culture that has been in, in existence for millennia and it turns it into barbarism. And on top of that, it wasn't funny. Um, Lucille Ball does her damnedest here to make it funny. Her line delivery is as good as it could possibly be. But I, I got to say... Like, this is a very gross thing to do to your wife. This this is such a trend in the show. Ricky's pranks go way too far. And they're really weirdly violent a lot of the time so far. Do you remember in the Adagio when he pretends to get shot to death because a Frenchman decided to hit on Lucy and somehow that was Lucy's fault? I'm not saying anything against the show except that the writers took some big swings and they didn't pay off long term here. And honestly, the show kind of acknowledges this because it ends with Ethel being really pissed off and Lucy fainting from an adrenaline rush. It's like they didn't know how to end the episode. And so they went with this prank and then they didn't even fully endorse it. The episode's a miss. It's insensitive. It doesn't age well. This is one you don't have to watch. It's not going to forward any plot. There's a couple of charming moments, but it's not, to me, it's not worth it. To me, this this is... This is harmful. I really don't like using the word offensive, actually. Um, I think I think when we hear the word offensive, there's so many people who immediately go like, well, you're offended, as opposed to thinking that the action that you're doing to cause offense is a harmful action. And to me, this episode is harmful. And I, I don't think you need to watch it. I don't like to end my episode reactions on a bad note. So I will just say that I think this episode has a really great premise. It's a very fun idea. I love the invention of a country to have a princess from. I love the scene with Ricky and Fred at the club. I mean, I really love any scene where Ricky's ego gets in the way of common sense. I think the moment where Lucy swoons every time Ricky sings a sexy line is super charming, objectively funny. Um, 
And in that final prank scene, she's, you know, they ask her for the royal secrets, you know, and they know that she's a royal because she has red and black hair. And Lucy talks about how she dyes her hair red and she has a line where she says, I'm not a Maha Rinsis, I'm a Henna Rinsis. And I think that line's very funny. I did laugh even in the midst of this complete chaos. So there, call me Pollyanna. I can be glad about anything. Okay, time for some historical notes. There's not a lot. The correct term for the daughter of a Maharaja is the Maharaj Kumari, not Maharinsis, which I think we could all guess. The uh, reporter in the club scene is played by Peter Leeds. Uh, and, and, and Peter Leeds would be in the movie The Long, Long Trailer, which Lucy and Desi did um, actually just the next year, 1953. He also uh, is going to show up in season six, episode one, Lucy and Bob Hope. And the photographer, the reporter's photographer, was played by Bennett Green, who was Desi's stand-in. So kind of a Hazel Pierce style spotting. And then finally, one of the like henchmen um, characters for Ricky, one of the kind of like, I'm, I assumed they were bandmates, is played by the actor who played Bill Foster. So maybe this is Bill Foster, the neighbor from Gossip, uh, showing up. To continue the ruse. He just likes pranks, I guess. So that's it for this week. Next week, we're going to be watching Lucy Gets Ricky on the radio, and I hope we'll be back on track. So here's the log line for that. Lucy is so impressed at Ricky's correct answers to a radio quiz show that she gets him on the show as a contestant. But she didn't know that the show was a delayed broadcast, and Ricky had already known the answers to the questions. She then schemes to get the answers from the radio station before the program airs. It sounds fun. I liked the quiz show. So I, I have a, a history of liking ra- the radio episodes. Uh, so that's this week. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe, rate and review, tell your friends. These are the absolute best ways to help the show. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Ricardo Project, even a bummer of an episode like this. It means more to me than you know. If you'd like to get in touch for any reason whatsoever, I would be honored to hear from you. You can reach me on Instagram at The Ricardo Project, on Twitter at Ricardo underscore project, and by email at project at gmail.com. Again, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating and reviewing this podcast and telling a friend about it. Have a wonderful weekend, and we will be back next week.